So the kingdom of God is a completed issue. When Jesus said it's finished on the cross, it was finished. But the kingdom of God is in the future, but it comes back into the present. And the Holy Ghost is that future kingdom coming back into the present. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about this. For some time now, we've been talking about the kingdom of God in heaven coming to earth. And we have seen that no less than Jesus himself said in Matthew 25 uh, that this kingdom the, and the uh, intention for this kingdom to come to earth and be it the kingdom of God be established in the earth uh, goes all the way back before the creation of Adam and Eve, and it goes all the way back evidently to the creation of the earth because Jesus said it came from the foundation of the world. So whatever that means, it was a long time ago. And that also shows us that this is a primary intent of God to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. Uh, And and we've already spent uh, a lot of time uh, tracing the activity and the progressions in Scripture that continued to move forward in the fulfillment of the kingdom of God on earth. Uh, There are many Old Testament prophecies that we looked at, and uh, uh, we examined them and saw that God predicted. Primarily, this this prediction picked up speed, if you please, um, uh, upon the occurrence of what is called the times of the Gentiles. We talked about this earlier, and we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but uh, we do know that the times of the Gentiles is the period of time in history that the Gentiles, any Gentiles, have ruled and reigned over the nation of Israel. So Israel, uh, the, the Hebrew people, are delivered out of Egypt, and they... Uh, become a nation at Mount Sinai. They become what the phrase that we use, the people of God, and they become a nation. They become established. They become a kingdom. Uh, And we watch them through the Old Testament. We come up to the time when in, uh, I think it was 738 B.C., Assyria took uh, the 10 northern tribes into captivity. And then around 600 B.C., 606 B.C., right in that area, um, uh, Babylon took the two tribes. uh, And that was the beginning of the times of the Gentiles. So they were subjected to Gentile rule. They are still subjected to Gentile rule. They will remain subjected to Gentile rule until the coming of the Messiah. And this is why the Old Testament, the scriptures that were relevant in predicting the coming of the Messiah were 
of huge interest to the people always because that was the key to them getting out of the oppression of being dominated by Gentile powers. So this was uh, uh, this was not this was not something that was just popped up somewhere. This is a long movement here and struggle, and the times of the Gentiles will actually uh, end when the Messiah returns, appears, becomes known, and that is at the second coming of Jesus Christ. The times of the Gentiles will end at the second coming of Jesus Christ. He will break the hold. He will he will uh, shatter the oppressive power of the Gentiles that have authority over Israel or power to uh, oppress, and Israel will be, as Scripture talks about, being the head and not the tail. So all of those scriptures, they all depended upon the coming of the Messiah. And so the coming of the kingdom of God would come with the Messiah. So those two things, the coming of the kingdom of God, always raised interest when it was brought up in discussion. Um, And the coming of the Messiah always raised interest when it was brought up in discussion. So when John the Baptist came and said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then just a few months later, when Jesus comes and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. And then just a while after that, when Jesus appointed the apostles themselves to go and preach to the Jews, their message was the kingdom of God is at hand. So obviously this blew up in terms of interest and went across the country like a like a gunshot and uh, it resounded everywhere and people wanted to know what this John the Baptist was saying who is this Jesus and uh, with Jesus the question became not only is he a prophet but is he the Messiah and they asked him plainly, are you the one that we seek for, or does another come? Jesus would never answer them plainly. Uh, the Bible says in John chapter 2 that he did not reveal himself to men because he knew what was in man. And so knowing motives, knowing the next things that were going to be said, uh, triggering ideas that would disrupt society completely, Jesus avoided all of that, although he could have told them all of those things, and he certainly could have told them that I am the Messiah. And before it was over, uh, he did tell some that he was that. So then Jesus is crucified um, and buried, and this throws everyone into confusion. If he is the Messiah, how could he die and be buried? So the apostles themselves were just, they were just, Uh, in abject despondency as a result of this. He raises from the dead. He shows himself to them. He spent a lot of time, if you read closely, teaching them about the resurrection and and what this meant. After he finishes teaching them, he is caught up into heaven. There are angels that appear as the disciples watch him go up and say, men and brethren, why are you standing here gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus, which went up, shall return in like manner, 
And then Jesus tells us when he returns that every eye shall see him. Every eye will behold him. And uh, he will come back with ten thousands of his saints, says Jude. And he will also come back, the Bible tells us, with his holy angels, the Apostle Paul tells us. So, uh, So his return will be the time when the earth no longer is ruled by Gentiles, but it will be ruled by his kingdom. His kingdom will come to earth. It will be here. And uh, so this is, this is an exciting thing to recognize. However, the Bible tells us that the work of bringing his kingdom into being is already finished. And on the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, this kingdom is here, but it's still in the future. So chronology has not caught up to the reality of this kingdom. However, this kingdom has come in part to earth now, and that is the spiritual component or the spiritual aspect of that kingdom. And uh, Jesus himself lets us know that. He says, the kingdom of God cometh not by observation, meaning, uh, at least part of the meaning, is that the political, the sociopolitical aspect of a kingdom where there is a king that rules, uh, it has not it is not here right now. You can't observe the kingdom of God. Then he gives though all of those parables that we went through in Matthew chapter 13, which shows that the kingdom now is, is, is underneath. It's, it's hidden. Only those who dig or fish or go underwater or all of these parables yield themselves to this, uh, only they discover them. You have to pursue this. Uh, it'll be public and everywhere, and you won't have a choice in the future. But right now, you have to pursue that kingdom. And Paul adds to that when he said the kingdom of God is not flesh and blood, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So so the the kingdom that is here now, though, the kingdom of God that is here now, we know it comes from the future because the Bible writers told us more than once that what we have is the earnest of that inheritance. We have the earnest of the inheritance that is coming. The inheritance that is coming is already there, coming back, but the inheritance is there. We just haven't got to it yet, but we do have the earnest of the inheritance, which is what the baptism of the Holy Ghost in our hearts is, being born again, filled with the Spirit, Uh, All of that terminology has to do with this coming of the kingdom of God now in an invisible form. But there is coming a day at the second coming when Jesus will come with his glorious kingdom. So they were always caught between the glory of Jesus and the suffering of Jesus. And the suffering of Jesus confused them so much because they knew that the Messiah was going to come in glory. But they didn't recognize that before he came in glory, he was going to come in suffering to pay the price for sin. And so even though this kingdom of God is not fully realized on earth yet, the kingdom of God is definitely here, the real kingdom of God, the real power of God. And the future of salvation of the universe is already accomplished and was accomplished at Calvary and already is. And with his declaration that it is finished, 
Christ affirms this reality. Thus, the kingdom of God is never a product of the present, nor does it generate out of the present, but is rather a returning to the present out of a finished future. Okay? So it breaks in on the present by coming back from the future. It is in this sense that the believer upon receiving salvation is receiving future life or eternal life. And the spirit-filled individual is one who is already in this very present world tasted, listen to this scripture, tasted the powers of the world to come. And so when we taste the power of God in our day, we are tasting the powers of the world to come. And this is a tasting that's already finished in the future. The kingdom is already there. What we're tasting is already there. And what we have now is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession. So we are the purchased possession, and we have redemption until then. And so individually, to receive salvation is to actually experience a genuine, personal day of the Lord in which judgment comes to one's life and cleanses them and sets them free. So we're judged as a sinner, and repenting repenting takes away our sins. When you read Matthew 5, 3, and he said, blessed are those that are, that are poor, he's actually talking about poor in spirit or contrite or repentant. And so um, this person experiences a personal rushing incoming of the kingdom of God within themselves. That's what spirit infilling is. So each such individual, uh, this experience is a witness to of, of the certainty that the similar future consummating coming of Christ to earth on a macro scale is being shown. That means everyone that receive, that is spirit-filled, that is a sign, and they take the name of the Lord upon them in baptism. Those are signs of the future coming kingdom. They are witnesses. The world will be held responsible. I I showed you what it looks like when I come in a micro way in an individual life. And, and you should have recognized that that's how I'm coming to the world in the macro or the consummating fulfillment. So any occurrence of the breaking in of the kingdom of God to the present from the future, whether it's personal, individual, like I was just talking about, or whether it's national or global, it's an occurrence of the day of the Lord. The, the phrase, the day of the Lord, is when a chirological inbreaking of the Spirit comes to us. And so the character of such an inbreaking never derives horizontally, that is, with the flow of one's tradition or family or history or nationality, but the coming of a divine visitation or day of the Lord into an individual life uh, or into the whole world unapologetically interrupts and disrupts, as we've talked about, the chronological structures that exist. It is a deliverance from this present evil world. It's akin to a jailbreak. It's being set free from these structures and more particularly set free from their destiny. So in summary, because the ultimate is a finished construct, the movement of the theological reflection is always from the ultimate back toward the penultimate. And in other words, from the ending, we're coming back because it's already a finished product. And so uh, we come back 
and this direction is never reversed. The ultimate, the final, the finished instills meaning and sequence to the penultimate or to the time before the ultimate. The ultimate in coming into the penultimate violates the penultimate, but thereby does not destroy it, but rather transforms it. And so the coming of the ultimate kingdom into the present pulls those saved into the world of the future. I hope this is making sense. We have already entered in the Holy Ghost the age to come with this down payment. Every move of the Holy Ghost is the age to come coming back into and invading the present world. It informs the the present world, the penultimate, that that is this present evil world of its true purpose and of its value and its responsibility and its possibilities. All of this is part and parcel of what it means when you talk about the end time coming of the Lord. 